0: Christ the King, Sudden Valley, we are an authentic Christian community reaching out to people in love, acceptance, and forgiveness so they may experience the joy of salvation and a purposeful life of discipleship. We encourage you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. We meet at the barns located in Gate 2. Also, you can find us on Facebook at CTK Sudden Valley or go to www.ctk church now let's join pastor Jason Manning as he continues his series entitled change a study of change through the book of John
1: this morning I got a question for you have you ever been on the receiving end of someone's generosity it's pretty amazing right like it's a great thing to be on on the other side of somebody's generosity uh, just a handful of weeks ago uh, my dad got a brand new pickup truck. And, uh, and, and just a couple weeks after he bought this brand new pickup truck, I was down visiting him and he literally handed me the keys to his old pickup truck. I was like, what? Like, this is amazing. Uh, probably one of the biggest monetary gifts I've ever been given. Uh, huge benefit to our family. We, we were actually like, it's crazy. Colby, we were thinking, you know, Colby's gonna be thinking about driving soon, like, and so to have a a kid that's getting to be that age, he's only 14 now, but uh, we were, we were preparing for, you know, planning ahead, and then all of a sudden, boom, uh, this generosity. Also, if you don't know, if you haven't been around uh, for, for very long, uh, about three years ago, uh, I blew up my knees in a kindergarten, kindergartner's birthday party on a trampoline. Um, Yeah, and so I was, you know, in a wheelchair for 20 some weeks, and uh, living in a recliner in my uh, dining room. Uh, and I tell you what, the generosity of this community, but even more than that, the generosity of Sudden Valley community, I had strangers bringing meals to my house. People I've never met before bringing meals to my house. I had people I'd never met before donate towards some of our medical bills. Like that that and and i tell you what that was probably one of the biggest life-changing situations i've been in a long time to be on that side of somebody's generosity right and people i didn't even know it was great well uh that being said last week uh i i i kind of had myself like this this pity party moment Uh, if you missed last week at church i'm sorry you missed church you uh, missed out big. You missed out on uh, on a big work of God. You missed out on God really showing off uh, through the work that we've been doing as a church in a community. Um, and he showed off in an amazing way. Uh, relatively normal service. Uh, actually, not too much different than uh, today. Tanya had a handful of children's ministry people cancel on her again this week, but last week that was the case as well. We had an overabundance of people who volunteered this week to fill in um, with the people who had, uh, but we had a relatively small service. Tanya I'd take four or five people had called in and said, I can't make children's ministry. Uh, I randomly had like three or four people text me and say, oh, sorry, pastor, not making it to church. Uh, and it had been a long time since people thought they had to like let me know they're not coming not a thing don't don't text me if you're not coming i love you just the same uh i do turn in an attendance sheet to god every week though so i just (laughs) check it off and send it so i mean you don't have to let me know you just work that out with god no Uh, it was setting up to be just a really crazy what was going to be a crazy sunday and then god just totally took over Uh, all the children's ministry stuff got figured out And I chose, and I chose, and I can't remember the last time I had chosen to do this, but I thought, you know what, to start this service off, I'm just going to stand up up front. I'm going to, I'm going to start the service off. I'm going to welcome everybody. And I chose to really pray into everything that was going on, everything we felt as like the children's ministry team and some of the people in the worship team were like, man, this could be a crazy, crazy week, crazy bad even. Um, Asking, and I just asked God to take over and for us to have a focus. Uh, If you remember, if you are here last week, and we worshiped. I didn't get stumped with the mystery box, which is always a good thing. Uh, I went through my message, and, and I have it mapped out. Like, my message is mapped out up here. And I had it mapped out, and um, with just a couple minutes left in my message, I felt God leading me to extend an extended offer to people, to extend an offer to people to accept Christ, And I I felt God telling me that there are people here that just need to accept Christ. And uh, when that usually happens, so sometimes I write that into my messages. Like, I mean, if you've been here long, you know, Christmas, I'll give a salvation offer, Easter, a handful of other times during uh, the year, we do that just as God is leading. And most of the time, the conversation, this is just you get a little conversation in how my head works. But most of the time, when I'm up here and I have that planned, uh, the voices as I'm preaching are, don't do it. Nobody's going to respond. You're going to look silly. Like, just don't do it, you know? And that's lies. That's the enemy working in my head, telling me not to do something. And But but it was the opposite last week. And I felt God, like, tapping me on the shoulders, like, do it. Go ahead, do it. Like, like watch, watch, watch what I'm going to do. Go ahead. Are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? And so... Uh, Last week, we had six people accept Christ for the first time in service. Amen. Am I right? So it was, it was, a, it was a great Sunday. And uh, Heather was actually hurt. She could, couldn't make it to church. And so I came home. and I got to share that story with her. Um, and then Monday morning came along. And uh, I entered into this, like, pity bout with myself. Uh, the morning after as a pastor is real, super getting attacked here. Back away, fly. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, the morning after, as the pastor's real Monday morning is rough. And usually uh, I meet together every Monday morning with like six pastors and we talk about, you know, just we, we kind of like kick ourselves into gear, like pray for each other and just share how the weekends went. But it was the holiday, if you remember, next last week. It was the holiday from school, so we didn't have meetings. And so Monday morning, I just found myself overwhelmed with this comment That was going on in my head like what what are you even doing like how did what are you doing like how did you get where you're at and I and I felt myself like beating myself up with that idea of like not even qualified even slightly to experience what you what happened yesterday and so as I as I as I uh, often do when I'm in that mode, I isolate myself. Uh, I went out to the garage and that's not normally what I do. I mean, normally don't, I'm not a garage guy, but I went out to the garage and I was like, I'm going to reclaim my two car garage. And uh, so I was out there just cleaning. And, but this, that, that, that thought and everything just overwhelmingly kept ringing in my ears. Like, you know, what are you doing? Like, what? Like, and so uh, I, I was beating myself up pretty good as I was reclaiming my garage. And uh, and then it dawned on me, my wallowing and, and, and self-pity. Uh, and a lot of it was cleaned up from when we had our basement flood. But I, even in all of that and, and everything that was going on, uh, here's what I realized. I realized that our God is incredibly generous. And that's the only answer. Our God is incredibly generous, been incredibly generous with me uh, and, 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 and truth be told, uh, I, I am undeserving. Uh, there wasn't really anything I had done, nothing I could have done that had brought me to the point in the in the experience we had last week, uh, standing in front of 70 people, and God tapping me on the shoulder saying, "Do it. Watch, watch me, watch me work." And for the rest of the week, for the rest of the week, I was enamored by the generosity I saw from God having that moment on Monday morning I was just enamored by how generous our God is Uh, I was able to see generosity in 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 so many ways no joke I I was able to simply say to a handful of different people throughout the week um, I was able to say well that's just God's generosity like that's How generous our God is and I was sharing that with people in 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 good situations and in bad and in 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 blessings and in in rough times we are still able to see God's generosity and in 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 more than one conversation I had last week literally brought the two of us to tears about how generous our God is and so my prayer uh, for us heading, for you heading into this next week, uh, whatever, that sh- whatever you have going on, uh, is that this coming week for you, because of our focus this morning on these ideas that God has laid out of change, and specifically this morning of generosity, that you would have a week that is literally where you are drowning in the presence and understanding of God's generosity in your life. That is what I've been praying for. That is what, I, uh, what has stirred all of this message for me, is that you would experience, you would experience the, the idea of unmatched generosity in your life, of what God has to offer for you. Now, you know we're in this series uh, called Change, um, and uh, we're walking through the book of John, looking at different instances and circumstances where change came to be. Um, and we're going to skip over a couple stories. Uh, I, I'm, I, I've heard it said before where you can, you know, over-preach something, like maybe you have a story that you really like, and that's a story you anchor on, and maybe you teach from that story numerous times. I don't believe that to be the case. If, you, if God's speaking, you do a story to speak, but the Samaritan woman, we're skipping over that story. Um, it's one I've preached a handful of times before in the eight years we've done this, and But this is what I want to encourage you with. I want to remind you, it was a handful of series ago. We have these pro-app study guides. So they're in the back uh, on the blue information board. This is a great way to walk through scripture. And so we may skip over the the Samaritan woman story, but this is your homework. Uh, I haven't assigned homework in a long time. Uh, Go home. Read through the, the, the story of the Samaritan woman, which is a great story. God does amazing things, even very generous in that story. Read through that and then walk through this PROAPT guide. Um, you know, it's pray, read, observe, apply, pray, and then tell somebody about it. It's, that's what PROAPT stands for. So they're back in the back. I really encourage you take that, photocopy it, take a handful. We'll photocopy more for next week. Uh, but today we're going to look at two stories. Uh, Through the filter that God has kind of been presenting us with Uh, One around the idea of change And specifically today around the idea of generosity Uh, These stories are at the end of John chapter 4 And the beginning of John chapter 5 If you have your Bible, uh, you can open it up This is also your excuse to use your phone Uh, Check the XFL scores if you do that Um, Colby probably doing that downstairs in the boys group He's really into XFL Anyways, uh, use your Bible on your phone John chapter 4 is where we're going to start. And this this story, this first story starts out like this. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned water into wine. We talked about that in the last couple weeks. Uh, And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick in Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. And the royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, Your son will live. And the man took Jesus at his word and departed. So here we have this officer, this official, this, if you didn't know, conspirer with the Roman government. Right? And, and this time frame, as well as what is probably the location of this, uh, this, this royal official, as they call him, would be part of the ruling party of King Herod Antipas. And uh, so it's safe to say that this guy's not really on Team Jesus. Right? He's not really, like, like thinking, oh, I'm, I'm going to hang out with this Jesus guy. It'd be really cool to do that. Uh, all of the people around him do not believe that. But Uh, This guy uh, Being a royal official Would also have access To um, The best Doctors of that time The best treatment of that time For his son And I don't know Maybe he had tried all of that stuff Maybe he was at his wits end With any of that and nothing was working Or maybe he hadn't Maybe he had just simply heard About Jesus turning water into wine Maybe he had heard uh, the authority that Jesus had in the temple showdown where Jesus was flipping over tables. Maybe he had just heard simply about the hope that Jesus offers. But like Nicodemus, last week he was to face ridicule if he was to go to Jesus. He was to face uh, probably loss of status or stature with, amongst if his friends. Probably wouldn't lose his royal Uh, position, but still would be thought of as less for going to this Jesus, but he makes what is physically a 25-mile journey to go see Jesus about his son. This guy, this official, comes not out of faith or belief in Jesus, but what I tend to think as a father myself, out of sheer desperation, sheer desperation. But it's Jesus, even though this guy doesn't, probably doesn't believe yet, Jesus meets him there. Isn't that where maybe sometimes you're at? Maybe sometimes I know I'm at, at times a place of uncertainty, a place of questioning, uh, even a place of desperation in your life. Maybe some hope. Maybe you feel like you don't have much hope at all. Do we, do we always see hope? Like, do, do you always see the side of hope in whatever it is that you're facing? Are you, are you willing to anyways? Are you, are you desiring that hope like this man was? Now, Jesus says to him, unless you people see signs and wonders. Now, this is, this is kind of a, 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 a side uh, color in uh, to provide some detail in that. Uh, at that time, there was the Galileans, and they were really focused on the signs and wonders. Like, that's what they focused on. They wanted to see the signs. They wanted to see any sign and any wonder of, of the amazing stuff going on at that time. And so Jesus is addressing that side of things, Right? Unless you people see signs and wonders. I think that's a side lesson in this. But, but God meets him right there. And I wonder for us, how often are we wanting to merely see the signs and wonders rather than maybe the belief and hope and, and, and faith and trust in who Jesus is? But God meets this man right where he's at and his son is healed at Jesus's words. The second story, and we'll kind of go back and forth between both of them. The second story is this paralyzed guy. He's been paralyzed, what the Bible says, for 38 years. That's a long time. So like I shared with you this morning, uh, I was in a wheelchair for 24 weeks. That was plenty of time for me to be uh, paralyzed in this chair. Uh, plenty of time to make me very grumpy at times. Uh, uh, I actually, side story, uh, I actually had a guy pray over my legs during that time. If you were around during that time, I literally, my legs were like straight out. Couldn't stand on them, non-weight bearing. I had this guy pray on my, pray over my legs and he, he didn't like, oh, heal Jason's legs, like give him comfort and uh, dole the pain. He was like, right now, Jason's legs healed. What do you feel? He'd say Get up and walk. And I'm like, I don't want to. Like, I can't. And so in that moment, I'm thinking to myself, like, do I not have enough faith? Do I not trust Jesus enough? Like, this guy was making me feel some of that stuff. And I think that this guy here, 38 years, and he's at this pool for, I don't know how many of those years, but he's at this pool. And we jump in on the story of John 5, 5. One uh, one was there, had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else always goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. And the day on which this took place was the Sabbath. Like, I wanted that to happen. Did I? Though? No. Like, like, I was like, get up and walk. And I'm like, no. Um, but can you imagine Jesus there at the pool? This guy's literally like on the ground waiting to get in this water. And if, if, if I was, insert myself as Jesus in that moment, me being me, would have been like, oh, wait, wait, wait. You think that when the water stirred, if you get in, then you're gonna be healed? Ha, <laughs> ha, that's so funny. I can't wait to get back and tell God about this. Like, I, I, I would be that way. And, 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 and Jesus says, okay, well, that's what you think, but here's what I'm gonna do. And again, we see some unbelief, some false hope compared to what Jesus offers us. How many times have you been there in your life where you've grabbed a hold of some false hope or some idea of what is to come or what will make everything better in your life? Kind of the side impact change that needs to happen in order for A, this to happen in your life, this needs to change. And I love Jesus' question here is, do you want to get well? I'm sure this guy's like, do you even have to ask? Like, I'm sitting here, I can't move. Like, do you even have to ask? I'm sure the guy thought, oh, oh, sir, you're going to help me? You're going to lift me into the water when it's stirred? Like, I have no one to lift me into the water. Are you going to do that? And Jesus says, no. Jesus does something far more simple, but way more powerful. For this man, he says, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. I wonder in that moment, I know scripture says that he was, he was at once the man was cured, or in an instant he was cured. I wonder what that felt like the the tingling, maybe the burn, the relief. Was it like nothing that had ever been experienced or felt? I pondered this question Have you ever felt that type of relief from Jesus? Have you ever trusted in a way that, in Jesus, God worked in a way that you felt that instant relief? That God worked in a way that He instantly brought um, order, He brought deliverance from. Seriously, just get up Jesus says and I thought to myself have I ever felt that like I ever have I ever interacted with Jesus enough with a certain situation trusted him enough and it's not always that it's you know I mean there's God's timing and the way he works and what he will and won't do I mean we don't I don't pretend to know that but what I do know is that God does work that way and is that what I desire that, that focus centered on Jesus and how he works to the point where I really truly believe that he could. We have that kind of faith and trust. Now there's a place in here that provides a little more color for us. Uh, some of what might have been the first official's friends, right? the first story we looked at, the royal official, some of his friends more than likely uh, confront this guy that's, that Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk. Right? He's picked up his mat. It's the Sabbath. Shared it there at the end. And he's walking down the street with his mat, which uh, on the Sabbath is not allowed. Um, side note, neither is healing, as we'll find out as you read the story. And they ask him, uh, they confront him. They say, uh, what are you doing carrying your mat on the Sabbath? And this guy's like, really? Dude, I haven't walked for 38 years. The guy that healed me told me to pick up my mat and walk. I'm going to walk. And he, and he takes up his mat, and he's walking down the road. And they ask him, well, who was this man that healed you? And I, you know, I wasn't there. I mean, maybe when you get to heaven, you can, like, check out videos and watch the stories maybe. But I wasn't there. This guy, I don't know if he was, like, saying, oh, you know... Uh, he knew it was Jesus, but he said no. But I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think he truly didn't know. I think he just wanted to be healed. He wanted maybe those signs and wonders. And he says, I don't know. I don't know who the man was uh, that, that, that healed me. He claims not to know. Uh, and now he, this is where it gets interesting. And this is where I want to focus as we close out today. Uh, this man doesn't seem to recognize Jesus is working and healing in his life. Man, how true is that for us sometimes? Where we don't recognize the way Jesus is working, maybe healing, maybe active in our lives. I think it's, I think it's pretty easy. I think, I think actually, and I, I want to say we, but in that we is a big uppercase I. Uh, I think you know, we have a problem recognizing just how God's working in our lives. Like, sometimes we we think it's, like, luck. Or maybe sometimes we think it's, like, hard work. Like, I know a lot of you guys work really hard. Really hard. And sometimes we chalk it up to that. Hard work. I I put in my time. Or sometimes I've served my time. Like, this is time served. Now what I'm getting is actually because of what I've been through. Sometimes we think it's chance. Sometimes we think it's just... Fate. Fate is aligned. But I think in, in us not recognizing Jesus, not recognizing uh, all of even the little stuff that God does in our life, the way he works in our lives, the way he's healed or delivered, or even how he's uh, worked and has been incredibly generous, generous, even in the little small things in our lives, the favor, the strength to endure, the generosity and gifting and and f- and filling, uh, filling in where we're weak, he fills in and brings that strength, that generous giving of that and our weaknesses. We don't recognize or see, when we don't recognize and see uh, that God, uh, that he, uh, I, I, we don't see that generosity or the way he's working, we have a hard time drawing this concept up in, our, in understanding God, this concept of, of serving this incredibly generous God. Because he is in all things, little things, big things, right, incredibly generous. And I think when we, when we don't see him working in our lives, we have a hard time seeing him for how he is, how generous he is. I liken it to my kids, all right? So uh, I was having a conversation with a guy the other day. We both have 12-year-old girls, and both of our girls happen to really want a cell phone, Right? And, and that's, I mean, I think, I mean, that's, for a 12-year-old girl, I think that's a, a want that a lot of 12-year-old girls have. But we were talking about what that, what that looks like. And he was saying, man, uh, you know, my daughter was like, uh, I want a cell phone. And I was like, well, they're a lot of money. And then they cost money monthly. And then all this kind of stuff. And she's like, well, give me money. <laughs> and, and he actually wanted to get his daughter together with my daughter, uh, have her a cup of coffee. Uh, and, 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 and I was like, I can get Jason to bring his daughter And they hang out, have a cup of coffee She's like, just give me the money Like, I want the money Don't want to go towards cell phone And he's like, well, she's like, you never give me anything And he's like, well, what about the shoes I bought you? What about the clothes I just bought you? What about all the food that's in the fridge? Like, all this kind of stuff I think our kids, because of where they're at Don't recognize how generous I mean, I feel like I'm giving a ton Like, a lot um and they don't see that, right? They don't see the level of generosity that that I think I'm 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 portraying, but because they don't understand it, right? If they were to take time to recognize the house and the roof and the the the, the streaming apps and like the the cell phones we already pay for so that we can communicate and get them to places like everything it's, the generosity I have is amazing um, sorry. sorry I was just building myself up um, but I think, I think that's a lot like what we can be with God like if we don't recognize all of the little things that God does like I got up this morning and, and, and I gotta come hang out with you guys Like that is God's generosity we could worship And sometimes we see Jesus as fire insurance, right? As like the get out of hell free car or savior. And he's a really good savior, you know? Sometimes we see him uh, just as somebody that will fulfill the needs that we ask for. And that's why we ask. Like we ask because we want something. Kind of like my 12-year-old daughter or most kids, right? Church, I think one of the overall meta themes God that I believe God has uh, the, is His generosity, right? I believe His generosity. Our response to His generosity fuels who God is for each one of you. How you respond to God's generosity fuels who you think God is in your life. How much you see or don't see. Listen to how this man responds. Uh, look at what, what he does. First, he doesn't recognize Jesus in, in his healing power and what he had done. Maybe he didn't know who he was. Uh, I think Jesus knew that. I actually think Jesus being Jesus, like, overheard the conversation he had with the officials, like, in his, like, mega, like, hearing superpower. Like, he heard the guy say, I don't know the guy that healed me. Um, and then, and then uh, what happens is that and it's said in Scripture that Jesus hunts down that guy again says later, uh, how many times do, you, do we get that in the Bible? It's very few that Jesus like does something for somebody and then he like double backs around and checks in on them. Like Jesus was busy and he had a lot of healing to do and a lot of things to do, but he actually doubles back around to this guy and says, says later Jesus found him in the temple. Uh, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen. Is that a threat? I don't know. That's something to unpack proapt it. Uh, he'll tell you what you want to know about that. But then the man went away and told the G- Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. He went back to the people that were out to get Jesus. Can you believe that? This guy was paralyzed for 38 years. It was known by everybody that there was the, 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 the government at that time, the, the, the religious leaders, like, they were out to get Jesus. They were going to do whatever it took for his works, his stories, his, all those things to not happen and to not go out. And this guy says, well, I don't know who Jesus is. And then Jesus double backs around and says, hey, stop sinning or something worse is going to happen. I healed you. You're well. Go, be well. And the guy's like, oh. and he runs over. He's like, it was Jesus on the Sabbath. Like, and so in, in Scripture, it says that that fueled their desire to persecute Jesus. This guy doubles back around. He went back to the cultural norm. At that time, the opposition. He didn't recognize Jesus for what he was doing, uh, Jesus for his generosity. He still didn't acknowledge him for who he was and what he offered. And this guy was a cast out. Like he wasn't even accepted by that crowd, right? He had no one who believed in him until Jesus believed in him and healed him. Yet he still went back and did what he did. How many times have we done that? Out of, gen, out of God's generosity in our lives, then we just kind of go back, and Jesus double backs around with us again. Hey, dude, we've been here before. Remember what I did? All right, now we'll pick you up, put you back on the path, and you know, like, I mean, we do that, Right? And I think what we see in these two stories is we have the tale of two responses to God's generosity. We have the tale of two responses to God's generosity. The first is unbelief, right? The man who picked up his mat and walked, Jesus healed him, Jesus double-backed with him, Jesus then, uh, and then he went back to the people. He didn't believe, didn't want to believe. God was very active. That's very active in each one of our lives, whether we choose to believe it or not. And now let's look back in at the, uh, the, the official that uh, traveled the 25 miles to, to have his son healed. Uh, to go uh, looking on that guy. Uh, verse 50, it says, Jesus replied to him. This is back in that first story in chapter 4. Jesus replied to him, your son will live. Go, your son will live. And the man took Jesus at his word and he departed. Now, I don't know... I think in that moment, just being a dad, I don't know that that guy believed his son was healed. I think for me at least, I would have had to get all the way to my son and actually see him healed. Especially if there was any sort of interaction with healing previous to that, like doctors had tried medicine or whatever. But the deal is he took Jesus at his word and he departed. He went to go make that trek back to check in on his son verse 51. While he was still on the way, his servant met him with news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. See, so he took Jesus at his word, and I wonder how he actually felt when he walked away, at which point he believed. Right? But what I love in this interaction here is that, <laughs> if you didn't catch it, he said, So he and his whole household believed. So he met Jesus' generosity with belief, faith, that he did what he did and that he'll do it again. He met it with belief. So the first response, unbelief, which led to then him going back to the cultural norm, to the officials of the time that were opposing Jesus. And then the other guy met it with belief, which then infiltrated his entire household. His entire household believed. His response is belief not only for him, but his family. And it brought literal, physical life to his son, who he said in the scripture was dying. But it also brought spiritual life to the family. John 5, 24 says, Very truly, I tell you, now there's three comments here in the end of this chapter that say truly, truly, or very truly. And this is like, this is like Jesus saying, like, this is truth. Hear this. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. And so in our belief, in our ability to see God's generosity and even the small things and even everything that he's doing in our life, what is produced from that is life. And in our unbelief and our inability to see and our inability to really look and understand and recognize comes death. Death selfish desires, desire for more, desire for uh, signs and wonders, rather than living water, rather than Jesus and what he offers us, right? God's, God's judgment outside of his ultimate act of generosity is his generosity. And separate from that is, is death. God's generosity changes how we view, view God's authority. God's generosity changes how we view God's authority. Whoever believes in his word and him who sent him has eternal life and will not be judged. And then in verse 25, truly, truly again, very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son Also, to have life in himself, and he has given him authority and judgment because he is the Son of Man. Authority and judgment are not fun words, right? I mean, how many of you are like, I want more authority? I want somebody to impose more authority on my life, more judgment on me. I want that. But if we view that from the eyes and heart and desire of a generous God, Authority and judgment is a very good thing. Is God's increased generosity for us as his kids. Authority in our kids' life as parents is a good thing. Our kids need it. And I'm, as much as I said it before, I'm not as generous as I should be. But ultimately God is, has presented the greatest act of generosity in sending his son to die for each one of us. And because of that, giving his life for each one of us gives us ultimate life, generosity, and everything that he has for us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.
0: We pray that God blesses you with this message. If you'd like to contact us, please reach out to us on Facebook at CTK Sudden Valley or visit our website at www.ctk.church. You can also find other episodes of this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, thank you for listening.